Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. claiming credit for the 9-11 attacks. The biggest and most costly manhunt in U.S. history is building to a crescendo. The United States killed Osama bin Laden. Sources say an elite division of the Navy SEALs carried out the operation. There are reports surfacing that Al-Qaeda has placed a 50,000 U.S. dollar bounty on the heads of any U.S. Navy SEALs, dead or alive. Nobody's going to survive that. There's nobody in that. This is the single largest loss of life in Afghanistan in a single incident. Most of them are U.S. Navy SEALs. My job was to protect, and uh, that night, I wasn't able to do that. This flight should have been 10 minutes from wheels up to wheels down, but we lost communication with it. We've had two U.S. Army pilots verify that a black box was installed on extortion 17. One of the more sensational stories is that the black box was washed away in a flash flood. Was there a black box? No, sir. So without a doubt, that black box was installed. We discovered bullets in the bodies of the Navy SEALs. The military threw them away. More likely than not, that supports a shootout on board. Some of the families were told that the bodies were not identifiable. That is absolutely not the case. And in fact, their sons were cremated. I called the command. I said, why'd you cremate my son? My son didn't want to be cremated. Every American should be taught about what happened in Extortion 17. The families want to know the why. We owe that to them. The tragedy is the caliber of men that were lost. What we do know is that it is clear that someone wanted the truth out. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 367. Available on digital exclusively to Salem now is Fallen Angel, Extortion 17, a documentary that explores the events surrounding the 2011 crash of Extortion 17 that resulted in deaths of 30 servicemen while on a mission in Afghanistan. An uncompromising examination into the facts, the lies, and the aftermath that this tragic event had upon the lives of many, Fallen Angel Extortion 17 also proves to be an incredibly relevant film as the war in Afghanistan comes to a close. And now joining me now is the co-director and writer of Extortion 17, Mr. Stephen Spivey. Stephen, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you, Matt. Um, I'm really happy to be here, and thank you for the time. It's really interesting. So I did as much research as I could in regards to you and this film. It's, you know, when you were approached to take on this film some time ago, you initially turned it down. Was it the fact that the, the heavy subject matter of this movie, is, is that something that really kind of like weighed on you? And is that why at first you were like, you didn't want to approach it? That is absolutely one reason. We just come off making a film uh, about street kids in Mexico City. And as you can imagine, that's a very um, 
hard and difficult uh, topic to, to negotiate when you're filming. And so when we came off of that, I really didn't want to jump back into something that was um, that difficult. And so some people reached out to me and they asked um, if I would consider it. And, uh, and as you said, I said, no, uh, not at this time. And about a year later, they came back to me and they said, hey, would you consider it? Just read the book and see what you think. And um, so I, I read the book and I was touched. And really what drew me to the project, um, you know, besides all the, the craziness that took place and things that um, happened that seemed really wrong, um, besides that, it was the parents that I saw um, on TV. Um, it was Billy and Karen Vaughn. And it was, it was their resolve of after their son had passed, how they behaved. And I saw a family that was not just surviving the death of their son, thriving may be the wrong word, but they were doing some pretty extraordinary things. And what I saw there was if this family can get through it, there's something that, that helps them along the way. And I want to share that with people. Was that the Vaughn family that you're referring to? It was. It was Billy and Karen Vaughn. It's, I think in the film, someone referred to them as mourning with hope. Um, I think that's, it's interesting. I never heard that before. I think something like that is really quite inspirational, I think, especially for Gold Star families who will watch this film, that clearly there is a tragedy, clearly there is grief, but there is also a way to move forward and honour the fallen, honour the people in your family who have who have died in service. And I guess one of those ways is what the Vaughan family are doing, because they were very essential in having not only the book by Don Brown go out there, but also getting this movie forward, weren't they? They were. Uh, something that struck a chord with me, um, personally, I'm a Christian. And so when I was listening to their story, um, I kept hearing about their faith. And, um, and it was really, it was really powerful. And, um, and when I would listen to them, uh, there, there was something different. And uh, so they, if you, if you look at their books, um, you can see it. Um, Karen, uh, her book on her son uh, was just, um, was fantastic. And she just talked about how special a person he, uh, he was and how he, um, his faith in God got him through a lot of um, really tough times. And, sh and so she explains that. And, and that, um, the way she describes that at every point and every opportunity that she gets really, I think, gives people hope. And, uh, and so I've, I've heard many testimonials of people talking about exactly that. They were going through a difficult time. They, they saw Karen Vaughn on an interview talking about her hope, and, uh, and it really helped them along. So it was, it was a pleasure interviewing her. Myself as a film critic and, and film journalist and yourself as a filmmaker, I'm sure we both agree that films are important. And I think the reason why films are so important is that a lot of the times they bring forth stories that people have forgotten over time. This story, I think a lot of people forgot about. And it's easy to see why there's such a fast news cycle happening, even back in 2011, really. That's really when the time that really, what we see now, the origins of how we see news now really started at that time. And so many things, uh, so many news stories have come out of Afghanistan and different places as well. And I think people have forgotten about Extortion 17. You yourself, I'm sure you as a serviceman um, knew about it, but was there things about this story 
that came forth during your research and you're talking to the soldiers um, and that you had no idea about that you thought was essential that people didn't know? Yeah, we did uh, several things. And just to speak quickly on, on how quickly people forgot, forget about um, the fallen. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when MTV came out and, and they would move very quickly because they realized that young people's attention spans were not that long. Hmm. So they moved in 30 second increments and uh, really is is a brilliant move on their part, but that's kind of what um, all of the media, especially in the United States, if not the world has, has found that um, move quick and move often and you will captivate people and get them to, to tune into you. So some of the things that, uh, you know, that we learned and, and really this is the biggest thing is you know, when we when we ask these young men and women to go to war that are starting at 18, sometimes as young as 17, um, and ask them to go to war, it's 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 a huge thing. It's a huge ask. And so we send these people over and they go and they um, and they they fight for their their nation and the cause. And. And it's, it's so difficult. And so you see a lot of these people coming back and they're suffering with post-traumatic stress yeah. and, um, and it really eats at them. Um, but when I talk to these people, um, they're speaking of resolve. Um, they are so committed to, um, to their country. Um, in this case, the United States, um, it, it's really inspiring. And it, and it really, it, to me, it goes back to, you know, like yesteryear when, when people um, really believed in, in their country. And, and so when I, when I interviewed these people, I was just moved uh, beyond words. Um, and there's a lot of things that, you know, we couldn't use in the film that they would talk about and, uh, and they were moved to tears, you know, talking about losing their friends. Um, but yet they still remain the same and the belief in their country and the cause. And it was really inspiring. The- Movie has asked so many questions. Um, some of these questions people might have heard of already regarding was there a black box on board the helicopter? Um, a lot of different questions. The thing that really struck me, though, that really left the impression on me afterwards was the philosophical nature of war, especially in regards to rules of engagement versus law of war. For people who don't know the difference, because I didn't know there was even a difference between the two, I, I always imagined that rules of engagement was just what you were were and were not allowed to do, but law of war is that something that leaves kind of like a like a, a gray line in there? So in case something does happen that goes forth outside the precipice of um, rules of engagement, people can or soldiers can work upon instinct. I mean, how does that all work? Work, uh, work in special regards to what happened that night in two thousand and eleven. Well, the law of war is static, and so it, it it doesn't move. It's not changed. It's something that nations came together. Um, in the Geneva Convention and, um, and work through to make sure that we would do war in a way that we're not going to be abusing POWs and we're not going to be doing things that um, are against humanity, those type of things. Uh, of course, you can argue that war is against humanity. but um, so, they, so that's the law of war, essentially. Um, rules of engagement um, is, is very interesting because, as you said, most people think rules of engagement, that's just something that the military does. It's just mm. rules of engagement. That's the way it's, it operates, but that's not what it is. Rules of engagement is when administrations um, put their influence on 
what's going on in in the war in in battle and and it's very um it's it's pretty horrendous and uh, you know as a as a former uh, serviceman um you know I, I really didn't even understand how how deep it was but so in the rules of engagement you have an administration that decides that they want to um, achieve a certain goal uh, in this last administration and just one one quick thing. When we did the film, um, I was not trying to do a political film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what administration was in there, because whether in the states, whether the Republicans or the Democrats are in office, um, oftentimes everyone messes up on the rules of engagement. And so that that's not what we tried to do here. Uh, I really tried to be balanced, but I, I wanted to point things out. Yes. But in the rules of engagement, you have an administration in this case that, um, and we heard this often that we want to win their hearts and minds. Um, it, it, it's hard for me being 53 years old. Now, when I think about winning hearts and minds, I, I think of that and I think, well, that is something that we should do. You know, we should, we should try to do something like that. But then if we've committed to go to war, then we have to go to war and going to war should mean that we go to war to win. And so in this case, um, when we try to go over and win hearts and minds, um, things often get convoluted. So uh, we would have um, we'd have JAG officers, attorneys essentially, that were assigned to brigades. And these are infantry brigades. And these brigades were at war in constant battle doing missions. And so they would get the rules of engagement would be passed down. And they would they would have to go through it with their attorney to make sure they understood everything, and then on top of that, when they're when they're planning, the attorney would essentially come in and either say yay or nay and try to influence them. Of course, you know you have certain colonels and uh, generals that would ignore that, but um, that's the rules of engagement. That's that is administrations people that don't fight battles trying to dictate the way the battle will go, and what happens. Uh, people will get killed. Mm. And, and and we saw that many times, uh, green on blue, um, and then you know, just some horrendous things. And I can tell you lots of stories. You know, something that really struck me, and I think the events of the last couple of weeks have especially brought forth a lot of parallels and narratives that have come out from this incident and this documentary. One of them really kind of struck me was the, look, I'm, and I'm going to go in this light because I don't want to, say anything bad about the Afghans who have served alongside with the Americans in Afghanistan. Many lives have been lost there, but there is something to really come out in regards to the inadequacies of the Afghan army. And we just saw a whole army that the US military have trained for over 20 years cut and run, essentially, as soon as the US decided to withdraw. And now when you watch this film, there's these reports that supposedly maybe there could have been inside information fed to the Taliban from people within working alongside with US soldiers. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised because I think there was like 12 reported murders of Afghan allies, allies killing US troops, even like some some really cowardly or like horrific attacks. When you watch the things that is happening now and then you look back on the stories and look back on the different types of theories that are coming from what happened that night in 2011, are we seeing sometimes a little more of a clearer picture of some things that would might have been a bit murky 20 years ago? Yeah, it's, um, 
it's, it's, it's interesting. So we, you know, it's, when you say 20 years, you know, I, I think, gosh, that's ancient history. Well, mm. really it's not. That's when we started the war in Afghan. Exactly. Afghanistan. Yes. So it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's such a difficult thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we knew um, what we wanted to get out of this um, when we went to war. Um, you know, we wanted to go in and we wanted to take out Osama bin Laden, and we wanted to squash terrorism in, in that region. And then on top of that, we wanted to start to nation build, maybe develop a, a nation that uh, was a, a capitalist nation um, and um, could do voting and, and those type of things. Great things to try to achieve. But, you know, there's, there's um, in that region of the world for thousands of years, um, they've been um, going to war. And, um, and going to war with each other in the same country. And so they, they truly believe that their way is right. And, they, and, and, and a lot of those fundamentalists just don't want to hear about another nation involved. Yeah. So, and so they use a lot of tactics. You know, in the movie, they talk about you know, one of those APUs, um, Afghan partners. He talks about how they would threaten him, threaten his family, and do those, um, you know, those horrible things to him to get him to switch over to the other side. And so he, he may, may or may not have been one, one of the ones that switched over, but oftentimes it happened. And so we could not pinpoint specifically to this event that there was somebody on there, but it, it, it is highly likely. And so, you know, when we, when we go over there and we do this, and again, this ties back into the rules of engagement, um, we have to go over there and do it right. My personal opinion is that you know war is not to be extended. We should there should never be a twenty year war. Mm. I think I think that personally I think that's ridiculous. I think that if we if we go in to achieve a goal in this case to stomp out terrorism in the region and take out Osama bin Laden, if we're going to do that, let's do that, and then that, let's leave. Because what a lot of people think is that um, you know we can go in there and we can we can fight. And then we can leave and it's not going to happen again. That's, that's not the case. It will happen again. It, it, it'll, it could even be more difficult, but we can't let that bother us because, you know, as a nation, we should be protecting our, our, ourselves, in my opinion. So if we decide that we want to have a presence there, then let's make sure that we do the job right. Let's go in over there and let's train their military the right way. Let's give a, a good timetable for us to pull out. And then if we want to nation build, let's leave uh, bases over there or forts. Yeah. Uh, that, that way we can kind of keep an eye on things. But, you know, in this case, I, you know, personally, I highly disagree with the way we just did things over there. I think it's, um, I think it's pretty atrocious. And that's, I think, you know, we could go on about that for hours and hours. So that's a, that's a documentary we've been in time, my friend. I think that might be a, a future project to look into because there's so much, so much there. It's still evolving to this day. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. 
founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Vudu. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. I wanted to talk about the filmmaking of, of uh, Extortion 17, especially in regards to recreations. I mean, you got great archival footage in here, and that's something I want to talk about as well. But of course, you can't, you know, not as you you can't always like you, you're not you weren't there at the time. You couldn't film what was happening. You had to recreate a lot of what was happening. The recreations were fantastic in this movie; they really do. Um, how did you approach uh, doing recreations in, in this film? Did you use um, uh, miniatures? Did you use uh, special effects? How did you kind of do it, especially with what I imagine will be um, limited funds, considering it's an independent project? Right. Independent project documentary <laughs> doesn't usually equal up to a large budget. Um, we were fortunate because we our budget was big enough. So um, what we did, Matt, is we wanted to make sure that it was authentic. And yes. so um, my my former CEO in the military uh, was actually Colonel Robert Chapa, who was in the documentary. And so I, I went to him and I just asked, I said, hey, we we need this to be real. Um, could you help us? Colonel Chapa was the chief of the infantry in, in the army and his contacts are vast. Um, he himself is, uh, is highly regarded um, more so than that. He's a, he's a superhero in the army. And so he, uh, he made some calls and we were fortunate to get a lot of the uh, former Rangers uh, to come and participate. And so we, we didn't have to train anybody up. They already knew the movements. They, they knew the story. A lot of the guys that we had doing the recreations were actually over there at that time. And so that was just a huge blessing for us uh, to have those guys. And just, you know, you know how nights can go, Matt. I mean, we, we were filming sometimes until uh, 2.30, 3.30 at night. And these guys who are highly trained uh, did not uh, squirm. They didn't balk. They, they just knew that they needed to get the job done because they wanted to honor those men. And I just can't say enough about them. So we had those guys doing the recreations. And then we did, uh, we did some 3d modeling, mm-hmm. uh, very little. Um, and then we also, um, uh, we just had some VFX guy, guys that were you know, talking about sacrifice. These guys were on the project because they believed in the project and, uh, and they just gave their time and effort. And, uh, and, and I do believe it came out really nice. How about obtaining archival footage, like the stuff from the helicopter itself, where we <laughs> actually see? I mean, I've talked to I've talked to documentary filmmakers, and there's a process getting this kind of stuff. But you're, you're talking now about using 
I mean, do you have to get in touch with someone in the military? Do you have to put forward what your proposal is? Is there a long waiting time? If I was a filmmaker wanting to make film, I film kind of something that you were making, how does that kind of go about? How do you go about getting that kind of footage? Yeah, the first thing is that we we hire somebody that's an archivalist that uh, that's their job is to dig that up. So they they dig it up. And then at the same time, they're making notes. And then we go about the job. You know, there's hundreds of, of those in there. Uh, so we... Uh, they go and they basically go and um, contact and get permission and, um, and and pull things up. Some things, uh, you know, that are newsworthy, um, you know, we can go in and, and we can make note of it because it, it, it falls in with uh, the time. Um, so we can use that. But um, you, you really, it's the archivist that goes in and just makes tons of notes, uh, pulls all that information up and then um, and then uh the second thing is we have, we make sure we have a really good attorney and mm. <laughs> to make sure that then they go over with a fine tooth comb. And, um, and that takes a long time. And so the attorneys go through and make sure everything's right. And once they give the stamp of approval, then, then we move ahead. How long was post-production on this? Cause I imagine it would have been something to kind of piece everything kind of together and make it like the 90 minutes that I saw uh, not long ago. We were kind of fortunate in that area, um, you know, being an independent, we, you know, we have uh, some flexibility there. Um, and, and really, th- this is of the divine nature. Uh, you know, we, we basically thought that we, um, we did all the interviews, we thought, and we were in um, post-production. And then we had some very important people pop up um, after they heard what we were doing, say, hey, we would like to interview. And it really changed the documentary. And, um, you know, Sean Hannity... Uh, you know, came forward and, uh, and, and he was one of those guys came in afterwards as well and said that he'd like to, uh, you know, participate in this. And, you know, so I, I, in my mind, I had a picture of who he was and, uh, you know, and, you know, he's just, he was something totally different, just so pro-military, um, you know, loves the veterans, loves the military, wanted to do, you know, just give his time, uh, just a super nice guy in that regard. And, um, and, and so that was a huge blessing as well. You spoke to soldiers, servicemen and women who were there that night. This is clearly still has such an everlasting effect upon them, also effect upon the Gold Star families as well. When it comes to speaking to those to those um, soldiers, men and women who were there that night, um, you know, I think it's really important that people realise that PTSD and suicide among veterans is such a prevalent and pressing issue. Here in Australia, actually, there's going to be a Royal Commission into veteran suicide and something that people have been pushing for for a very long time. And the numbers are staggering from the US about how many people will take their lives. Um, when you speak to these people and they're finally able to talk about what happened that night and how important is it, A, do you think it is for them to talk to someone about this and put it on record? And B, how important is it just to talk in general? You yourself are a, a, a Christian, so as am I, and um, when it comes to, you know, subjects like this, the important thing that a lot of people talk about, say is that we need to talk, we need to communicate, people need to come forward with their feelings because that's a first step forward to recovery. Completely. So, um, you know, it, so the first word that I think of is, um, is wrenching. Um, so when I'm interviewing these soldiers and I see, and it gets me emotional thinking about it, but when I see um, 
these guys that have gone through so much and their families have gone through so much. And these are the ones that make it home and they're talking about it. And as I'm, as I'm interviewing Nick Moore um, and Joni Marquez, um, I'm looking, you know, we're looking eye to eye and, um, and I see Nick, you know, going back to that time. And, and I know it's difficult, but I also know that we need to talk about it. And, and, and for two reasons, one being that this is very important. We need to talk about this. And two, I think it's just good to, to talk to people. And Nick Moore makes that point in the film and he credits his wife about pushing him to talk. Mm. And so just for any veterans, um, Australian or United States or wherever they may be, um, you know, I encourage anybody that, that hears this, you know, we, 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 as men, especially like to keep things in because, um, that's just what we do. And, um, and so in, in this case, that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. So if, if you are keeping this in and you're not talking about it and, you, and you've been in a combat situation and seen, have seen tough things, uh, that whether you believe they're tough or not, and whether, um, you know, you believe that you should talk about them or not, talk to someone, you know, get it out there and speak to somebody. So when I would talk to these guys, you know, I, I would be very sensitive to what they're going through. And, and with Nick, you know, you can see it in the film. You can see Nick's eyes. Uh, there are times that, you know, his, you know, he wells up because he's reliving that moment of guys that he cared for that passed and so um, I would take breaks and I would, and, and this, this really is just, this tells you all about Nick Moore, uh, who's just a phenomenal guy. Um, I would say, Hey, Nick, you want to take a break? And he goes, no, let's keep going. Mm. And so he'd take a sip of water and he would just keep going. And we sat there for hours talking about this. Uh, just a super, super good guy. Absolutely heart-wrenching stuff watching them uh, talk about this. But like, like, like we just said, it's so important that people do talk because communication is key. It's key to be open and let that stuff out because if you just keep it inside you, it's just going to swallow you whole. Um, you know, I think over the last two, three years, I just myself talking personally, so many things that I believe and so many things that I, that the opinions that have changed so much. Um, I imagine for yourself, working on a project like this on top of all the things that have been going on, especially of late would have had such an impact on you. Would it be fair to say that the Stephen Spivey prior to working on Fallen Angel has changed somewhat compared to the Stephen Spivey now that I'm talking to? Uh, 100%. Um, really, you know, it, it, honestly, it, it's done two things. It's made me more compassionate um, because I, I see the travesty that took place. I see that there's an obvious cover-up here. To what extent, I don't know. Um, and, and I see these people that have gone through this. I see the courage that Johnny Marquez had to come forward and say, hey, we requested to engage these people. If we could have engaged these people, this would not have happened. And she lived, lived with that for a number of years. Mm. And so, um, so I, I become more passionate and then I've become more resolute. Like I, you know, I try to take on projects that are important and that need to be talked about. And, um, and so after going through this and talking with families, talking with friends of the fallen, loved ones of the fallen, um, seeing what they've gone through, um, I, I want to see 
honestly, I want to see a reinvestigation. And because there's things that um, were missed, there are protocols that were not implemented. And so I, I want to see that. And, um, and not, it's not for me. It's, it's for the families. It's for our servicemen and women that are serving now. It's for our military. And it's for the, the people of the United States. Uh, because we, it, it, the best thing that we can do if there was a wrong is to talk about it, to make mm-hmm. sure that it doesn't happen again. So, yeah, those would be the two things that happened uh, that have changed me personally. So for everyone out there listening, Fallen Angel, call sign Extortion 17, available now at Salem Now. You can go to SalemNow.com. It's the first film you're going to see there. I highly recommend people really watch this movie. I mean, it's number one, it's an important story. Number two, you know, Stephen, it's such a well-made film as well. Uh, 90 minutes. The tension doesn't let up throughout the whole the whole 90 minutes. I mean, it's... Uh, it's this a movie. There's a movie. A word I like to use um, in my reviews are stakes. What are the stakes in the story? And this is a true story. And the stakes that I think, even though this has been twenty years ago, the stakes have never been higher than they are now. That the truth in regards to this story come out. And I have a feeling that, as this war of Afghanistan has now ended, um, that a lot of people are going to look back and a lot of things that happened there. And this one should be a priority because of the tragedy that has befallen. Uh, servicemen and women in, in regards to it. So I just want to say, Stephen, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you for your service and thank you for this film because it's a, it's really a film that uh, a lot of people need to watch. Matt, it's been, it's been a real pleasure and I'm so thankful for the time. God bless.